Shabbat Shalom. What's going on in American universities? You following the news? You know, when we consider our way of life, our love of liberty, opportunity, and dignity, the great American institutions of higher learning play a critical role. There can be no freedom without the free exchange of ideas, and there can be no progress without the ability to challenge orthodoxies. Conformity and groupthink portend the dangerous decline of liberalism and with it the imperilment of freedom itself. And therefore, in a very real sense, the task of a university is to create safe space. But I don't mean what people nowadays mean by that. That is, the effort to safeguard every student from every perceived slight or microaggression. It's, of course, a worthy goal to protect people's feelings. It comes from an understandably good place. Jewish tradition is replete with warnings of excessively hurtful speech. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai taught, it is better that you throw yourself into a fiery furnace then humiliate somebody in public. And the Talmud, to its credit, is filled with condemnations of rabbis and great sages who did not live up to their own standards of not embarrassing people in public. But values compete, and like everything in life, we need to find balance. For example, justice and mercy are both desirable. Right? Is there anybody here who is for injustice or is against compassion? But these virtues are not entirely compatible. As Isaiah Berlin wrote, a world of perfect justice is not compatible with perfect mercy. Either the law takes its toll or people forgive. Either the law takes its toll or people need to forgive. So too, liberty and equality are both desirable. Nobody here is for slavery, but they are not entirely compatible. Berlin wrote, liberty for wolves is death to the lambs. Total liberty of the powerful the gifted, is not compatible with the rights to a decent existence of the weak and the less gifted. Once institutions of higher learning tilt the balance towards excessive safe spaces for personal feelings, they lose their central vocation to be vehicles of veritas, testing grounds of truth. Safe spaces for ideas. That's the real calling of universities. And to deprive students of the safe space for ideas is to abandon the central function of higher learning. Once we silence people, cancel them, excommunicate them, we embark on a slippery slope of decline 
pluralism is the essential prerequisite of freedom because reality is plural. Conformity spells the death knell of liberty. According to our sages, the sin of the generation of Babel, Tower of Babel, was conformity. Everyone thought the same. Everyone spoke the same. God alone sees the full truth. Humans perceive only fragments, hence the need for multiple perspectives. Shiv'im panim la Torah, say our sages. There are 70 faces to the Torah. Every word contains dozens of different and legitimate interpretations. Hence, our sages emphasize the benefit of debate. And it's why Jews are still a highly argumentative people. Even those of us who never studied a Jewish text, not once, never opened a Jewish text, you still harbor this nature to challenge everything and everybody, right? It's passed down to us by osmosis of a hundred generations of our predecessors. That's how they were. That's why you're like that. Says the Mishnah. Every disagreement that is for the sake of heaven in pursuance of understanding is destined to endure. Disagreement, controversy, debate, these are good things according to our tradition. As long as they are l'shem shamayim for the sake of heaven. What is an example of a heavenly controversy? Our tradition states the debates between Hillel and Shammai, they argued over everything. As long as they sought wisdom, learning, meaning, veritas. That's the logo of Harvard, by the way. Human and divine truth. And what is an example for a controversy not for the sake of heaven? The controversy of Korach and his followers, which was all about simple power, seizing authority and control from Moses. If we surround ourselves by the first kind of safe space, excessive protection of our delicate feelings that are easily offended. Human beings are easily offended, have you noticed? Then we lock ourselves into a kind of intellectual prison. And then we become ignorant. Conformists generally just don't know enough. From the river to the sea they chant, but have no clue which river and what sea. In turn, ignorance breeds arrogance. And arrogance is the opposite of learning. It's entrapment where the ensnared don't even know that they are in a maze. They think they are free, but they're not. They are in a kind of prison of the mind. They don't know what they don't know. 
and they think they know more than they know. Now, it's one thing for a person to choose to go through life this way. You want to do that? Your choice. You have autonomy. You live any way you want to. It's another thing for universities to promote and encourage this dark place of ignorance. We read in the Torah passages of the book of Exodus that we're starting this week that darkness is a plague. Institutions of higher learning should see their role as challenging our certainties provoking and encouraging us to be more humble, less arrogant, less self-absorbed. Because the natural default position of every human being is that I am the center of the universe. That's how we were designed. That's how we're wired, every one of us. My needs come first. I see the world from the inside out. Higher education should cause us to pause. To consider that simply because I feel a certain way about a book or a philosophy or some domestic or international policy, it doesn't mean that everyone agrees or should agree their views might also be valid. If I open my mind, they might even change my thinking. I might even be persuaded. When we say that the purpose of higher education is to teach us not what to think, but how to think, this is what we mean. A little less arrogance, a little less certainty, more humility. Feelings are not facts. You offended me. You hurt my feelings is not the end of the discussion. Sometimes the health of society and the preservation of liberty require saying things that are offensive to you. Sometimes we're offended by the wrong things. And sometimes we are not offended enough by what is truly offensive. First and foremost, universities should ensure the safe space that triggers intellectual rigor that will inevitably elicit lively debate and perhaps might lead to some personal offense. The turmoil on so many American campuses nowadays is a trigger warning that we're in trouble, that the first kind of safe space for feelings is overwhelming the second, more important kind for ideas. In the Parsha of the week, Shmot, contrary to most people's impressions, we learn that Moses, the greatest leader according to Jewish tradition, there never lived such a great man as Moses. Moses, you know this, right, Julia? 
Moses was a bundle of uncertainties. Who am I, he blurts out on Mount Sinai in response to God's decree to send them back to Egypt to free the slaves. When I come to the Israelites and they ask me, what is this God's name? What shall I say? And what if they don't believe me? And what if they don't listen to me? Please, God, don't send me. I've never been a man of words. I'm slow of speech and heavy of tongue. Please make someone else your messenger. And when he arrives in Egypt, at the end of our Parsha, Julia, Moses asks, God, why did you send me? Since I returned here, Pharaoh has imposed trouble on this people, and you have not rescued them at all. Many of the great heroes of Judaism argued with each other and with God. With God. Shall the judge of all the earth not do justice, Abraham asks? Why do the wicked prosper and the faithless live at ease, Jeremiah queries. We learn from Judaism that safe spaces are the spaces where we freely and safely ask and disagree and debate and even provoke. Of course, we should try our best to avoid offense and insult. Respecting another person's dignity is central to Judaism and is a key Jewish value. But disagreement is not on its face disagreeable. Benjamin Disraeli purportedly said, I find that an agreeable person is a person who agrees with me. Not so in Judaism. Disraeli must have converted by then. If we can question even God, all the more shall we question the learned professors, administrators, and institutions of the universities of Veritas.